because I don't want to always be like, welcome to this show where we're going to talk about this. All right. Oh, and you're recording. I am. I gotcha. <laughs> I guess we got it. Watching the process beginning to end. Talking shop with your musical friends. Austin and Mitch. Austin and Mitch. Write a musical. All right. Week Hello. two. Week two. Uh, so welcome back to Austin Min Write a Musical. Um, I'm Min. And I'm Austin. <laughs> In case you don't know us by our voices alone at yes. this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we have talked a little bit about how we want to structure the episodes. And I guess part of it is maybe like what stories have we engaged with yeah during the week like tv movies books film or film yeah. is movies but yeah <laughs> um but you know there's movies and then there's film <laughs> it's true yeah it's true. um so uh i guess this is i guess this is also a good time for us to say that we had talked about making this either a family-friendly podcast or a podcast where we didn't really need to worry about it and didn't need to censor ourselves. And we opted to go for more of the uh, don't need to censor ourselves kind of thing, I think. Is that right? Sure. Great. (laughs) (laughs) I think Uh, I did censor myself a bit last week. Okay, yeah. I think I said, like, shoot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, so maybe we should make the decision right now. (laughs) It's going to affect how I describe the thing that I watched this week. Oh, um, yes. Uh, yeah, I don't want you to have a filter. So parents who are really concerned about kids, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Switch, podca- switch podcast now. Or um, teach them the words so that they're ready for them. Sure. You know, <laughs> depends how old the kids are. Depends on the context. But now I'm intrigued. What did you, what did you experience? Uh, well, story? It's, it's a Netflix show called uh, The End of the Fucking World. Ah, um, I see. And uh, it's, I'm only partway through, but I find it very engaging. Uh-huh. Um, it's, uh, the, the trailer made it seem like a real black comedy, and it's uh, more black than comedy so, <laughs> so far. Um, but it's really, it's interesting. It's very, it's British, and it's based on a comic book which I guess is sort of also related to what we talked about last week about potentially adapting mm. some sort of graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's gritty, and it's it's about dysfunctional teens. Uh, and in a uh, sort of not, I, I feel, not like a we're all in high school and we're, and we're the kids that don't fit in, more like a I'm a potential serial killer. Ah. And I'm going on a road trip with this girl kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's engaging in that it's kind of a different... Yeah, it's new. It's also... I was talking to Christina. um, Who is Christina, by the way? Christina is my fiancé and a stage manager in the area. But um, I was telling her, like, just immediately watching the show, it's like they're filming it in parts of England that I don't think I've ever seen on TV. Mm. Like, just the... The look of the trees and stuff, it's like, where are they filming it? And I guess it's south, southern England, uh-huh. which I guess, I don't know, maybe we don't see that much on the television. I mean, London's in the south. Isn't oh, it? <laughs> it doesn't look like London. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know the I don't geography. Know I don't know. But that's cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, um, I finished Star Trek Discovery, 
season oh, one. Oh, yeah. And I really like it. I feel like, well, it's uh, it actually has a season-long story arc, or mm-hmm. several story arcs. Which is unusual for unusual Star Trek. Unusual for Star Trek. Oftentimes, Star Trek is a kind of a monster of the week format where mm, mm-hmm. now they discover this planet and something's gonna happen at least uh the original series was definitely like that deep space nine was a little more serial but it never went uh in this direction where it really is about continuity mm-hmm. throughout but um there may have been one or two episodes that i thought were weaker but overall the story was very engaging they had some good twists and turns throughout that kind of surprised you and nods to the fans i'm not a huge trekkie but like i could see that for the trekkies out there if they stuck with it um they were kind of rewarded for Mm -hmm. their time um yeah and it ended on an interesting note that makes me want to see what they do for season two cool so yeah i did have to pay for cbs all access so that was kind of I, a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably but, the way of the future, the though. Future. It seems yeah. that everybody's... I mean, I, as it becomes more... Yeah. As that technology becomes easier, I feel like everybody's just going to sell their right. own thing on their one access channel or whatever. Right. But I was glad then that the story was so strong mm-hmm. so that it felt okay. Felt <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's been generating a lot of headlines in my news app. Um, yeah. But I haven't actually read any of the articles. I mean, it also is... It's making steps forward in diversity. Mm-hmm. A lot of strong female characters. Strong female characters in leadership. Um, uh, yeah. So And multi-ethnic and complicated characters throughout. So yeah. That's exciting. I enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, let's, can we recap a little bit of what we talked about yeah. last week as far yeah. as the musical content goes? Let's do that. Yeah. Um, I have two notebooks here, by the way. Oh, yeah. I live out of my notebooks. Yeah. Well, I have like one for every project. But anyway, <laughs> uh, do you did you want to start recapping? Uh, I could try what I think it is. Great, and I'll verify. <laughs> Great. Um, so what I remember we had talked about was oh, uh, well, so we talked about mosaic storytelling Mm -hmm. but then um we'd also talked about or i think the thing that i gravitated towards was like um a space in which there is um a quality of magic or make-believe or like um a a a space that you enter into in which you can sort of think anything's possible Mm -hmm. um and exploring that dynamic yeah um yeah, what what else? What are we missing? Uh, well, we did briefly talk after we finished recording, and we brought that up as it also relates to California specifically. Oh, yeah. As a mm-hmm. boom and bust destination. Uh, we talked about Gold Rush, Hollywood, Silicon Valley as like these places where people are going to risk a lot to make it, mm-hmm. um, and that there's a con- common thread there. Um, and... Uh, we briefly ventured into thinking about uh, what if this magical space were on the internet, mm-hmm. um, and what if there was some kind of game element that people were entering into this magical space, but then uh, bringing up questions that things like the Gold Rush and the dot .com uh, stuff bring up, which is like, who gets to play? Who gets oh, to make sure. it? Yeah, uh, access. 
Yeah, economical inequality, that kind of idea. Yeah. Um, so I so thinking about that this week, I had the thought. Um, one thing that really interests me is the use of the internet as a place for like uh, self actualization mm-hmm. or images of self sort of being created. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the times that manifests itself in sort of sexual fetishes, sure. one might say. But there's also, I mean, it, like the sexual part is tends to be sort of an extension of just we are all sexual people. And so like there's going to be a sexual element to this self-expression uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I don't know, it's just so fascinating to me like that you can, like furries, for instance, that like you see a cartoon well it's i don't know this is not everyone's experience obviously but like the idea that one person might see a cartoon character and so much identify with that character that they sort of will create an another character in that world that is them and then they will participate in that world and so in the vein of like Oh, well, so, and I should also say, this got me thinking about this podcast that I listened to, um, Love and Radio. Have you mm-hmm. ever heard no. them? Uh, it's a podcast I would recommend for other people. Um, but they did an episode about uh, a, oh, I don't know how she identifies, or how they identify, um, but it was a biological woman who started role-playing online originally as Lord of the Rings characters, mm-hmm. and then as the actors playing them in the movies. So <laughs> she would role play online, like as Dominic Monaghan or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, entering into these like year long relationships with people as these characters, hmm. and then like meeting them in real life. And it was a really interesting episode. I can't remember what it's called, but. Um, what the episode is called, the podcast is Love and Radio. But they, um, the most interesting part for me was like, uh, oh, I think the episode's called Let the Boys Talk It Out. Because they, like, in this, they started these relationships in real life, and then, like, they would get in an argument or something, and it wouldn't be going well, and so they would go to their computers and let the boys talk it out. Uh, like, let the... Their avatar, their, so to speak. Or their yeah, personas. they would they would sort of role play the fight, uh-huh. um, and that was just a really interesting quality to the human experience that I thought was interesting to explore and potentially interesting to explore in terms of a musical, like this idea mm-hmm. that you have two people, for instance, uh, two voices, like a man and a woman, or. Uh, two men or two women or whoever it is, but sort of two different people who are the same people and Ah. the same person. So like one is the quote unquote world. Yeah. One is the real world person. And then one is the avatar. Right, right, right. And, um, and like to have the different, I mean, yeah, just from a musical perspective, like differences in song and, uh, exploring what that is and, and like the conversations, like you're having the same conversation, but in different ways. Um, and I guess theatrically, I also had like the idea that you could sort of see this avatar also evolve over time. Mm -hmm. Um, like if we are starting in a game setting, like sort of 
starting in sort of a fantastical costume or whatever it is, and then it's the same, like, that avatar is the same person, but transferred over into, say, a more business-like setting or whatever it is, and it's the same character, but a different sort of realization of self or Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. I dig it. (laughs) That's cool. Uh, It makes me think of City of Angels. It's not the same thing at all, but City of Angels kind of follows the thread of two characters, one being an author Mm -hmm. and the other being uh, his main character, a protagonist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they do kind of duke it out with each other. Um, it through a through a song. <laughs> yeah, I'm also not sure that I would necessarily want to write the musical about that. Sure, but I think it's an interesting element to incorporate. It's like a feature. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. After our discussion last week, I did kind of think through things that sounded similar. Uh huh. Just to like get us thinking about what have people already done in this vein. Yeah. Um. Avatar came to mind. Uh-huh. I know it's not at all what we're thinking, but it's worth, you know, parallels might be drawn as sure. far as like jumping into this world as another, in another form. Yeah. There was a graphic novel called In Real Life, mm-hmm. um, which I, the, the author's name escapes me again. I tend to do this with graphic novels according to these two episodes, but um, it's about uh, another game world where. These people meet, and then they discover that this person who's playing the game on the other end um, is at a totally different economical status mm. than this other person. Um, I'm totally messing up the details because I read it a while ago and I don't remember, but yeah. um, that might be something to check out. We brought up Ready Player One. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of science fiction where people are playing a game. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Matrix I mean, or whatever. I don't want to spoil... Ender's Game, but Ender's Game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then even Westworld came up because it's this place where people can go and be mm-hmm. with these androids and be, live in this fantasy. That's more of a dystopian version of what we're talking about because if it looks like what I see in the season two trailers, those androids are going to fight back. But, um, yeah, I think... It, I am really excited for season two of yeah. Westworld. I yeah, yeah, say. yeah. Me too. I enjoyed Westworld a lot more than I thought I would. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I understand. I've read a lot about like why it's, why it's problematic. And I sure. I understand. Yeah. But I, it is very compelling. <laughs> Did you watch the original film? No. With Yul Brynner? Is it good? As the man in black? Uh, it's all right. I, I can't it's say. It's like 1980s. Is it directed by Crichton? I don't think he directed it. Okay. Because no. he directed some other one of his. Oh, and did it was, he? It's famously bad. Oh, I didn't realize that. So I just assumed that this was also bad. Uh, I, I It's worth watching. I wouldn't say it's like an amazing film that you have to go and see now. But mm. if you if you like watching old sci-fi, it's worth a watch. Sure. Um, especially to see like where some of the ideas of Westworld came from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. There is a question of what do these stories that, you know, stories like this that exist in TV, film, comic book, uh, accomplish, Mm -hmm. and what can we accomplish in the form of musical theater? Because I don't want to just repeat stuff that already exists in a film and people will watch it and be like, that was fun, but 
that's kind of like that movie. Yeah. So what maybe a way to think about it is what does musical theater afford us? Sure. Um, in this with these like tropes or this story type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one way to think about it also, I think, is just outside of the musical theater, just like what, what, what has what have these stories already done that we don't need to cover again? Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, what's new? And I guess what what I'm interested in is I don't know. There's a lot of stories focused on the the people. It sounds like there's that graphic novel that does sort of address like yes. um, the realization of who's behind the uh, right. behind the avatar. But I think in most of the media and these kinds of stories that I see, the the discovery of who's behind the avatar is just is just sort of a, a twist along the way, yeah, as it yeah. were. Like Ready Player One, it's just like, what well, you're not who I thought you were. Uh-huh. Um, and that realization is not interesting to me. Right. But the the actuality of who's behind the avatar, I think that's why it's like I don't really want the, sh- I wouldn't necessarily want the show to be about this disparity. Like it's just that is a feature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but musically, what or musical theater wise, what? Yeah. What are your thoughts about what uh, it could bring? There's something about, and and it's not that the other forms can't accomplish this, but there's something about musical theater that can a lot of fun can be had with um like kind of juxtaposing the mundane mm-hmm. with this fantastical world in a song yeah um and seeing the real personas behind these characters and the contrast like as you're talking about um but being able to kind of unabashedly comment on it and make jokes about it uh in a way that musical theater allows. Yeah. That. I mean, I kind of love the idea of, like, we are having sort of a, a rock and celebratory, like, ballad of self-actualization uh-huh. through this character. And then, like, music cuts out, lights up on an office cubicle or some uh-huh. mundane setting. And we're sort of crashing into the the real world, as it were. Right. Um, and musically sort of like uh having that sort of creep into the real world mm-hmm. in a way like if if the show is centered in these locations like you can i like that the sort of transformation that can happen on stage where like slowly musical strains are coming in or whatever and yeah um set changes um i mean we talked about this last week i guess but I, I really like the way that musical theater can create senses of a, a sense of magic without the literal like in movies and things you, the only way to sort of convey magic is through a literal visual representation mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's probably not the only way but it it that feels it prioritizes visual. Yeah. When you're talking about a screen Whereas on stage, you can tell people that magic is happening and and they will go along with like they will right. enjoy the magic that's happening um, and right. they'll fill in the gaps as it were with like a song and a light switch yeah yeah and well and that's actually sort of one of my favorite things about 
Shakespeare is that he, the character just comes on stage and is like, this is a potion. I'm dumping it in their eyes. They're going to fall in love. That's how it works. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And I, I don't know what other medium we allow that to happen. Yeah. Where it's just like, and here's a bunch of exposition now. Like, here's the setup. We're going with it. Right. Um, and, yeah, I think there's a lot of elements why that works. I think part of why that works with Shakespeare for modern audiences is because it's a, it's a foreign thing. It's sort of um, oldie-timey. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that mechanic is yeah. more accepted. I mean, I feel like in folk cultures... Folk cultures. Everybody <laughs> came from a folk culture. So sure. when you look at folklore or like folk traditions, I yeah. should say, not folk cultures, um, that is a thing. People flat out narrate what they're doing in like any culture you go. There's, it's just what you do when you're performing whatever ritual or play or drama. Yeah. No. Um, um, it's very on the nose. Well, and that's one of the like sort of best qualities of fairy tale or one of the things that i like most about fairy tales is the efficiency of plot uh-huh. like within the first three sentences of a story it's like we know who the main character is we know what they want and we know where we're going right it's like a young man grew up a miller's son but he wanted to go make his fortune so he headed off to go rescue a princess there um, you go yeah um so that's it that's what we'll do for our show uh, I have a couple things here that I wrote appeal to me about this direction if we decide to go in. Yeah. Um, the, the parallels and layers of storytelling that can be told as far as like real life versus fantasy uh-huh. life. I know we keep bringing it up, but I think there's a lot of cool juxtapositions that can be yeah. looked at. And, and uh, at, like... It's really fun. I think it's really fun to have sort of clear divisions and say like Act One, and then to have those start to blur as you go into mm. Act Two. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I wrote it feels like a high order or a big task, which is nice. In other words, this is a contemporary story. It can be. I mean, I think it yeah. is a contemporary story that requires world building mm-hmm. because what is this magical space? Yeah. Um, so it's not just like. We're going to write a story about two people who meet cute in San Francisco and the world building. There's not a whole ton of world building because it's today and it's real life. But with this magical place, we get to set the terms. We get to kind of create a world. And so in that sense, it feels like a, it feels bigger. It feels like a a project that's kind of big in scope and we have to do our due diligence to make sure that the logic of the game world and even the logic of the real world, that it all makes sense. And I like that because that's kind of a challenge. Yeah. And I also kind of like the idea that it there is a risk of it being really hokey. I don't know. I'm li- I like the idea, yeah. but like I could totally see this show. If someone were pitching the show to me, I could see it going really bad. <laughs> like just like, just sort of a like... We're putting on cheap costumes and we're pretending to be game characters, and uh, I, I could see it. I could see it done really clunky, both in writing and production. Right. Um, and so, trying to write a story that is sort of inherently compelling and like figuring out the the mechanics of how yes. that works is interesting. Yeah, because say like that's what the budget we had was yeah. to do yeah, that yeah. version. 
that uh, the trick of that would pretty much be done in like the first 15 minutes. Yeah. You could do stuff in act two, like save some cool, you know, props in a box kind of stuff for the final moments. But the tricks will all kind of be done. People will stop laughing at the costume changing yeah. in the first 15 minutes. So the story really has to be captivating in order to get us past that initial like, oh, how fun. They're they're playing these characters. It's so cute. Yeah, yeah. Because things that just do that over and over and over again start to feel tired. And, you know, it has to be a compelling story. We have to make the people fall in love with the characters. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't want to interrupt your... Oh, you're fine. Your list, but... Um, I think what all you had talked last week, I don't know if it was on mic or not, but um, we talked about sort of um, different worlds coming up against each other mm-hmm. um, in the context of sort of life experience and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I feel like that this, this is the kind of magic that allows for that um, pretty easily. Yes. Like, cause it's, cause it is, it's both, it's both the internet and games or whatever are uh, both a way for people to interact who are sort of far from each other physically or otherwise. And, but it's also a way like you're, you're pretending to be someone else and there's um, sort of inherent questions with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, gender or uh, race or culture or all these things. Right. Um, and that's interesting uh, and and like this, these questions of self identity and things like that. Like, I really want to. Uh, this is who I am in this context. Yeah. And yeah, so that's interesting. And I mean, the, that point was one of my points. <laughs> was a place, it. a place where intersection can occur. Yeah. Um, and I think talking about something like Westworld, it's like you have to have enough money to go to Westworld in order to enjoy Westworld. And, you know, there's every so often something pops up with an app that has in-app purchases Mm -hmm. and people feeling that they don't want to play anymore, if that's the case. Or the recent Star Wars Battlefront. I don't know if you heard about it. I have not heard about Um, the Battlefront. They have in-game purchases. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before it released, they announced that there was going to be in-game purchases Uh and there was an uproar, basically, yeah, uh, saying, you know, that's not fair. You're promising us this game that's, like, immersive, and yeah. you're saying that certain areas or certain parts of the game won't be accessible to us. Um, and so they retracted that, and they uh-huh. said it would all... And then they added their in-app purchases later. <laughs> but there is something about the economy yeah. of, of it all and who gets to play, which is such a big question that can be taken on many different levels of, like, who gets to play this game, but also who gets to participate in this culture. Yeah. If money's involved, yes. So I think that that feels that that goes to my. It feels like a high order because mm-hmm. that feels like if we want to do that story well or explore that well, um, we're we're not talking about just plain old meet cute. We're talking about like actually, yes, crafting these characters who are complicated, economically different from each other, um, and how will that play out? As well as the added layer of therefore, who do they pretend to be? Yeah. And they're in the game, which yeah, is what yeah. you were saying. So. I think it's also, now that we're talking about this, it's also, I think, a real challenge to write a world, to world build a world that is much like our own, but not. Because mm-hmm. um, we're not talking, 
I don't think either of us are necessarily interested in writing a, a truly fantastical other worlds where this game exists. No. Like, I think it's as if this existed now. Right. And sort of... And there's just a lot of detail questions about making that realistic and yeah. making that feel true. And um, so... Right. Like, I'm not thinking this is a post-apocalyptic yeah. <laughs> present yeah, yeah, day yeah. with this game. Sure. Um, or, like, the reveal is that it's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> world at the end. Yeah. We, <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Um, like the Matrix. But, like I said, it's I'm interested in, like, the mundaneness. Yeah. Is that the word? Mundacity? Mundane. Mundanity. Mundanity. Of, like, everyday life and then the escape quality yeah. of, of this realm. That, that, to me, is fun. And I am also really fascinated in the, like, escape to an, a, a parallel mundane world. <laughs> like, um, Are you talking about Stardew Valley? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm talking about gaming. I feel like uh, there's an element to... So gaming is certainly an escape in a way that it's, like, really exciting. But it's also a community that people participate yes. in. And, like, you just log on to chat and hang out and yeah. walk around and... Yeah, I mean, um, there. I mean, I brought up Stardew Valley in uh, in jest, but it's kind of true in that Stardew Valley is a game that you can play on Steam and other platforms. But there's a mund- mundaneness to it because you're just farming mm-hmm. and talking to people and mining, like stuff that you might not do in your real life. But yeah. once you actually get into the pattern, you start to go like, "Why am I?" Just signing on to this game to do work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to my, get money and yeah. to like live my life on this farm. No, I think about my. Um, I had a friend from high school and college who uh, studied abroad in Japan and mm. lived with a host family. And I guess the father of that family would come home every day and play this video game where he was a train conductor, <laughs> and it was just like a super realistic train simulator. And, like, the whole goal was just to stick to your schedule and, like, stop the train (laughs) at the right spot on the tracks. And, like, you're not, like, it's a big thing. And, like, the subways are really important and you're not supposed to be early or late. And, like, you have to be there exactly the right time. And so we would just play this game that was essentially really just a realistic representation <laughs> of what it would be like to be a train conductor. And, and what he didn't realize was he was actually running the train. Oh, snap! <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then he failed and people died. Yeah. Uh, that was another... Sorry, that is also reminding me. I learned in college in some media class that apparently... Well, so one, crowdsourcing is really a good way to get information statistically. Um, like, so like on, uh, on, okay. well, like on, uh, um, how to be a millionaire, uh, do you want to be a millionaire? What's that show? Who wants to be Who a millionaire? Who wants to be a millionaire? Oh no. Um, how to succeed in business as a millionaire. Yeah. Um, they, uh, oh, sorry, there's construction in the apartment. You might hear some clanging. Okay. Um, it's, it's off in the rest of the building somewhere. Um, but like on, uh, <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like, the best 
one to use was ask the audience. Uh-huh. Um, and people wouldn't necessarily trust the audience, but, like, statistically, even on the hardest questions, if you had no idea, like, statistically, more people would More likely select. to get it right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have done that with video games with, like, uh... identifying, like, they'll show real scans of, like, is this cell cancerous or not? Uh-huh. And they'll teach you, the player, like, a little bit about how one would identify these things. And then they'll just... But so like you're doing an an online game, and so like thousands of people are playing this comparison game of mm. like is this cell a cancer cell or is it a benign cell, and overall like people get it right, um, or like how should this protein be structured? Like we know the enzyme does this, but how sh- how would it be shaped in order to do that? Right, right. And you make it a game, and you make enough people play it. And it's like they are. It's like Ender's Game. Yeah. They are doing. They're doing the science. Yeah, I mean, um, there is truth. I find that there's truth to like that. There. So we've talked a lot about inserting ourselves into this fantasy world, but maybe another direction that uh, can be explored is what's that fantasy world do for the real world? Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about. It, there's an actual real world application to that, and even a game like Stardew Valley. Uh, when you interact with the people, you are given a choice sometimes. Like, are you going to be mean to this person? Are you going to be nice? Are you going to help them? Be neutral? Um, And I know, like, maybe a lot of us would, you know, we go, like, it's a game, I don't care. But I think sometimes those things pull on your heartstrings and then affect you and in some ways encourage empathy, which is kind of the buzzword for theater right now, is theater helps encourage empathy. Uh, But I think games can, too. And that there's this real, like, self-growth aspect that can come from yeah. playing games of yeah, different yeah. kinds. There's, I, oh, I wish I remembered more about it. I mean, I don't think it was super interesting. But it was, I was reading an article about, like, um, the way that we talk to our uh, smart devices, like uh-huh. Siri or Alexa, or, like, just the way we interact with sort of voice-controlled AI. Uh-huh. Um, there's like these ethical questions of like, can we like, is it okay to get really mad and be mean to your robotic right. device? And especially as we go into the future, where I assume it's just going to get more and more, like we're going to have these robot servants. Is it is it inherently wrong to be mean to a robot? Right. Um, and the I think the gist of the article is basically yes because we're modeling behavior towards other towards other people. things yeah, yeah. Um, and so like it's a it's a personal expression and we should be thoughtful about our mm-hmm. expressions of empathy and feelings and that sort of thing. But I mean, and then there's going to be people who say it's just an object. Who cares? Yeah, and that's a, an interesting point of conflict. Well, and that's also, I think, an interesting identity thing of, like, um, like if if someone is super invested in their online persona, you can all, it's easily dismissed also by some people right. to be like, well, that's, you're just playing, you're just right. playing it's make-believe. Just a game. Yeah, it's just yeah. a game, or it's just you are, you're just playing make-believe on the internet or whatever right. it is. Right, um, and And that's really hurtful. Yeah. To that. And so that's an interesting space of empathy also. Yeah. I mean that, and that, I feel like musical theater kids, that's, that is their story. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) The people who grew up loving Disney or loving musicals are often the kinds of people who just 
gets caught up in these characters and these person personas. Yeah. Um, and there's a parallel there to the people who find that kind of retreat or strength or what have you in video game characters yeah. that they create online. That, yeah, that is interesting. And and yeah, and both things have have a frivolity associated with them that can be sort of dismissed, dismissed. as yeah. I, I've experienced it for oh, yeah. sure. Even um, within the theater world. What? <laughs> no. Yeah. Where you write musicals. Uh, Although yeah. I probably carried that more than is actually true, but I, I think it's out there. I think well, there's a little snootiness about musicals. Sure. I apologize for everything that I've said <laughs> about. You really you hurt know. me, Austin. Well, I just wish you'd take up a more serious You know art. what? Your video game personality sucks. Oh, no. I... I couldn't come up with anything good about that. <laughs> I was going to make a joke about armor, but I, I couldn't come up with anything fast enough. Yeah, that's okay. I got that armor... F- uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> we'll cut here or something. <laughs> I, originally, we had also talked about that magical world being a gold rush world or like one of those parallel California things. It doesn't need to be that. Yeah. But what I'm finding interesting is what if... if I don't know that there's much mileage to get out of this because I think the heightened reality of like fantasy versus reality is great but what if the video game world was very boring yeah well <laughs> like stopping trains sure but I, there was like this ownership people had and pride around it yeah yeah well so i've never actually played second life um and i should because i think it's really interesting Isn't that what the game that they ended do they end second life no <laughs> There was this thing, there was like this, it might not be Second Life, but I think it is. I think it was a penguin-based version of Second Life. (laughs) I think it was like a Disney... But there was a podcast talking about this big, like, game world that, like, was going to come to an end, and they all, like, gathered together. Yeah, I think that was was Penguins. I think that was, I think that was, uh, I think it was a similar concept as Second Life, where, like, you enter this sort of world where there's a bunch of different spaces to go, and there's no real point, and you, you just sort of wander around and interact with people, but I think that was maybe a Disney-owned product, and it was related to, you, like, were a penguin avatar, and you would wander around a penguin land, um, (laughs) and at some point, okay, yeah. I think that's right because Second Life must still be going because I it's I think still a still a big thing. Okay, I have no idea. There was some game that was on a podcast where they talked about the game was ending and mm. like people were sad and it was like this whole world coming to an end. Yeah, but anyway, so continue with your thought about well, Second Life. <laughs> anyways, it's just like it is it is a thing that is not inherently magical. Like, like, I think originally Second Life was just sort of a place where you'd get a sort of normal-looking human avatar, um. and you'd just sort of wander around these, maybe like a, a beach locale, or like kind of The Sims, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and subsequently, they've now, you can come, you can be a demon with wings, or a, a lizard person, or an alien. You can sort of be whatever you want, I think. Right. Um, but, uh... But this, but it's like this, but so that creates this dynamic where like there's a bunch of normal people walking around, and then there's a, a lizard person who comes uh-huh. by and says hi, and that <laughs> that's got this like internet quality to it that I think is really interesting. Uh huh. Um, of like, 
like, oh, hello, like, who are you? It's like, I'm a robot person. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. You're, we're all here sort of on equal play, on equal footing or whatever. Um, so that's one way. I guess, I mean, like, we could do sort of a high fantasy game. There's also a world in which um, that mundaneness uh-huh. is... I don't know. It's just such a it's just such a mishmash of all the different things sure. that it becomes sort of just a world where people wander around. <gasps> what if? I mean, we can talk about plot later. But <laughs> <laughs> what if, like, one of the inciting incidents in the show early on, in like the first thirty to forty minutes, is they discover this part of the game that nobody knew about, oh. and it like opens up questions basically of like mm. i don't know who gets to go in there who created this this game was supposed to be this and now there's this sure other element thrown into the mix but we don't have to talk about the specifics of plot i mean that's funny <laughs> well not sorry not funny Thanks. Uh, that's funny <laughs> <laughs> that's uh i should guess i should say interesting or inspiring um wow well like the idea because because that like if if there's a game where everybody is the same in a way, or like you, there's no visual representation, or you're not making choices about who you are. Yeah. And then there is introduced an element of choosing who you are. Right. That's a that's an interesting choice to see right. happen. Yeah. Um, and like, what if the person who like stumbles upon this new thing? Or like this element, oh, I hit the mic. Element of game of the game that like nobody's found before is the one person who shouldn't have found it. It's like supposed to have been somebody who paid a lot of money to get there, or something like that. I don't know. Mm. But like in in game, their persona is like really strong and and powerful. But maybe outside of the game, they don't feel that way, or yeah. they aren't empowered, or they're disenfranchised. So that that's just starting to think about like what are the dynamics. Yeah, that the characters can have in or the like game. a yeah pay to express yourself kind right. of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Like, pay to express. Well, yourself. like you, you like an in an in game purchase is the ability to like choose to represent yourself a yeah, different yeah. way than the generic or whatever. Right. And well, how, well, and then that has some real parallels to you know like the real world. Like, are we allowed to? Like, because we also are we allowed to be a lizard walking down the street? Yeah. Well, and and does money and privilege give you mm. a better better access to sort of self actualization and and expressing yourself? Yeah. Um, um, I would probably put forth the thesis that it does. Yes. Or the hypothesis. I, I mean, say. we haven't even talked about sex. <laughs> but, you know, the oh classic boy. the classic money. That's our next episode. But the classic power sources, right? Like yeah. money and sex. Like mm-hmm. the, you know, YouTubers who are much more attractive or yeah. sexual. Or the Comic-Con costume people who are more sexual. Yeah. Uh, get more attention. Mm-hmm. Get more money. Get, you know, and... How does that play into the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how is sex used for power? Um, and who who has to fight against that? Yeah. So, anyway, I think that was a good, good Yeah, I'd say discussion that. Discussion yeah, session. Yeah, seems a good discussion. Yeah, no, I was really excited about it. Um, yeah. So I hope it was fun to listen to. Um, <laughs> uh, but I guess before we go, are we kind of 
saying that this is the direction we want to head. I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't say that we should uh, close our minds to other possibilities. I guess but... I'm wondering, does it is it helpful or fun to kind of have, maybe not the next episode, but some episode at some point where we ditch talking about this just to see what other ideas are out mm. there? Yeah. I mean, we could try it, and if it fails, we just don't post it. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, secrets um, are really the key to... Good, good podcasting, <laughs> secret episodes. Though. But you can unlock the secret episode. Yeah, anyway. yeah. If you, if you give us a lot of money, <laughs> we'll, if you give us a lot of money, we'll give you the episode that we didn't think was, was very that successful. Good. <laughs> um, anyway, cool. I'm, I'm excited call. to keep going on this thread. Yeah, um, see where it takes us. Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it touches it checks a lot of boxes for me about what's interesting, and I think it's. And again, I, uh, I I do think we'll figure out a plot that is the plot part will come. We'll I think, come, yeah. But the this uh, this element or this piece of it is fun to play yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. So, I think it's great. All right. Well, uh, we'll I guess we'll say goodbye say and goodbye. <laughs> see you next week for another episode of Min- Austin and Min write a musical. Am wham. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Amwam. <laughs> Amwam is produced by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Theme song composed by Austin Zumbro, performed by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Logo designed by Melissa Nigro. If you like our podcast, leave us a review and subscribe.